Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist. And I'm Kate Hemsler, developmental interventionist. How are you tonight, Laura? Today I am great. <laughs> this afternoon, I am doing very well. How about you? Uh, very nice. We've had a nice long weekend. We did not work today, so been lazy but cleaned the house some and had a nice day. Well, I had a really busy weekend. My parents were here, and then our daughter, who's in high school, had uh, her cheerleading competition, and they won their regionals, and so they are off to state cheerleading competition this weekend, this coming Saturday. So we have had a big weekend and are on track to have another big week and weekend. So it's busy, busy, busy. They don't waste any time, do they? Right no, usually it's a couple of weeks earlier. I know, so I don't understand what happened with the timing this year, but that's okay. They're peaking at the right point in the season. So cool. That was a lot of fun. Had a nice visit with my parents. And then the biggest news around here today is we released a new therapy guide today. It's called Creating Verbal Routines. Worked on it for uh, the last four or five weeks. I'm so excited today to have that released and finished. You know how I am when I finish something, too. It's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. But it's not really true. So. And <laughs> I haven't had a chance today. to watch it yet. But So it's oh. about creating verbal it's routines. A, it's about verbal routines. And this is why I did it, because so many moms, and so many therapists, some therapists will even do this. When a kid is not talking, they'll hold up something and say something like, say apple, say book, say car, and the kid doesn't do it. And then they're like, And so, you know, I've written a whole, <laughs> a whole lot of other stuff about this, and I have, you know, all the DVDs, but this really is the step right before kids start to be able to imitate a lot of words. It's when they just seem to pop out those words in automatic speech. And lots of kids respond really well to this technique. Kids from the spectrum really do. And so it's using their, if they're if they're verbal enough already or vocal enough already. And so it's just using that natural inclination to Fill in what your brain expects to hear, and it's the steps how to create those situations. The best part about this therapy guide is it's about 20 minutes of me teaching at the beginning and doing my little explanation thing, and then the whole rest of it is therapy clips. So it's like a DVD. I know. I don't think I've told you that yet. But you don't have to wait on it in the mail, and so it's immediate, well, not immediate, but pretty immediate, so that when you purchase it, you'll get an email back, and it'll give you the access code for viewing it, and you get a PDF, which is a downloadable file, and that's um, this one is eight pages, and it's in handout form, so great for therapists to be able to copy and then share with parents and leave them like with a a page at a time over several weeks so that they're really talking about how to use verbal routines and doing that training kind of piece by piece. And then if you're a parent, you get it all at one time. But I think it's great information. And, again, I always 
love the project that I've just worked on the best of anything I've ever done. So <laughs> I love this one. Lots of cute new therapy clips. Some therapy clips I added last week from girls I saw last Tuesday morning. So Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Hot Up to the moment, huh? I know. I went back and added that when I was watching it kind of in final edits. I thought, oh, what did I do with my sweet little girls last Tuesday? This would be perfect. Um, So really current stuff. Again, thrilled that it's released and it's out there. And it's, it's such good information, especially for parents who really think, well, I've tried everything or I don't know what else to do. And for therapists who are thinking I need to get better at this or I think I know what she's talking about but I'm not quite sure and any therapist who thinks I'd rather see it than read about it you know I I think these therapy guides are going to be great tools because it's kind of a mix of both the best of both worlds especially this one because there are therapy clips plus that hands-on teaching this is how you do it this is why you do it the whole trust me it works kind of thing so i'm so thrilled that's out today well i'm anxious to see it i have a couple kids on my caseload right now that as you describe it i think oh i bet i could amp up my skills and with them and and do a little better than i'm doing so i will watch it with a few kids in mind thinking yeah but so many of the kids even sometimes laura don't you think a praxis kids really do well with those really yeah because they need the script you know it's Different for a different reason, but they still need the script. Right, and they do start to pop out some words there, and they can do it in the context of when we make it automatic speech versus confrontational when we're saying, say this, repeat this, you have to tell me this. And when you introduce it as a verbal routine, it really does take that pressure off. And there's, again, lots, there's, there are great explanations for why we do it and how we do it. And then I just love that we were able to have the video clips. And I bet there are at least eight to ten different kids on there. So there are kids with different diagnoses. Some kids are on the spectrum. Some kids are apraxic. Some kids are just like talkers. My little girls that I was talking about, this cute little set of twins that I work with, uh, they were preemies, and so there's nothing really going on with them other than just delay, you know, just that language delay. So uh, a great representation, too, of all kinds of kids who could benefit. And really the truth is, and I've gotten that little line to you, you say that all the time, the truth is, <laughs> the truth, truth is all, all kids benefit from verbal routine. And certainly teachers know that. That's my, you know, sing the same songs or teach things kind of in that sing song you wrote, you know, kind of way. This strategy works, but we just don't always know how to apply it to late talkers or to toddlers. And so, and again, I've written about this. That's one of the levels in uh, building verbal imitation in toddlers. But this is great because you get the therapy clips and get to see it kind of work. And I love this, too, because in, when you're watching it, Kate, you'll notice this. there are so many moms that are in this with me, and you can see their faces just with how surprised and excited they are when their kids say the word. And so I thought that was really cool, too. And so I think other moms can relate to that, and therapists, too. I mean, I think we all, when you're sitting in a room of therapists, I can always tell the ones who are 
you know, wear their emotions on their sleeves like me because they're tearing up when they're watching the video <laughs> clip, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, you're so sweet. But this is one that even when I watched it last night, even when I was really tired of seeing some of that stuff, you know, especially the stuff of me, um, watching it, it was, you know, for several of those kids, you can tell this is the very first time they really heard their their child try to talk. And so I think that's really sweet, too, to have that captured. And so anyway, I could blah, blah, on and on and on, but I'm not. But, it, you know, it's there. It's at teachmetotalk.com. It's called Creating Verbal Routines, and it's available today. It's $19.99, so pretty darn cheap. And if you're on Facebook, there's a little preview um, video on there, but it's me just talking about it and saying pretty much the same stuff I just said here, how excited I am about it and, um, you know, why why I did it. So it's on there. I can't wait for you to see it. I want you to call me as you always do after you after you watch. I, I will. I'm talking, you, Kate. I'm not talking to the rest of our listeners. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't, not everybody call. You know, Laura, I do find that um, certainly there are are speech therapists out there who use a lot of verbal routines, but there are also quite a few that I cross paths with in, you know, work that don't use nearly as many as I think um, they should. And I've had numerous mothers say to me, everything he says are those little things you say. You know, it's like... Yeah, that's a bird, those made, are your verbal routines. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they got them. And yeah. sometimes and the I think that, they hear um, you say every week, right. week after week after week. Yeah, yeah. What and say, therapists a lot of times do the label it, tell me this, say this, say this. Um, not to say that, you know, some of that isn't appropriate at times, but for those kids who are really non, pretty much nonverbal, you can do right. that all day long. And they don't just magically pop out the words, you know, and they, they're right. not using the routines that they could. So anyway, right. so I'll be anxious to see I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so kids who aren't great imitators, you need to back them up a step and see if you can't get some things going with this. And if this doesn't work, then, you know, I want to say back it up another step and buy a building verbal imitation and toddlers and just with, with those kinds of kids that they're not responding to verbal routines Again, they need a step kind of down from that, and so they're great ideas in there too. But um, I think verbal routines are, I do think a lot of therapists use them, but like you, I feel like they're underused too. And I think anytime you watch somebody else do therapy or hear somebody else's ideas, you think, oh, I can do that, or oh, I used to do that, but I haven't done that in six months. What happened? Why did I quit saying song? Why did I quit saying this? Why? I think it just gives, it just invigorates sometimes even our own ideas and give a new little twist on something that you used to do or something that you sort of do, but you need to be a little bit purposeful about it. So I think it's going to be great, great, great too. All right, let's switch gears. We have a mom who's calling in today. She sent me an email first in December, and with the holidays and everything else we had going on, we have not talked to her yet. But she agreed to call into today's show, and she has fantastic questions about her little guy. And just for background information, he has, I'm trying to find her first email, excuse me. He um, 
will be three at the end of March, and so he's knocking on that third birthday's door. He is newly verbal. She described him as that and said he really didn't talk very much at all until this past fall in September. She's a little bit concerned because he seems to be not coming up with words or phrases on his own. He's a good imitator now. So she's a little bit concerned about that spontaneous language. She's mostly concerned about his play skills. He doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot of independent play. He'll imitate some stuff for this play. But if it's not, um, when she first wrote me, she said if, if she didn't help him or model it for him, he certainly didn't do it on his own. He kind of defaulted to really simple, maybe rolling the car back and forth and certainly not doing a lot of variety with play. Other background information, he has mild cerebral palsy, so that means he probably has some motor involvement with this, um, with these uh, delayed play skills. Um, he Autism has been ruled out by his therapy team, and I believe he's getting speech and OT as well. Sue, you are here on the line with us now. Have I summed up your little guy pretty well, or do you want to add some things? Hi, Laura. Here I am. Um, No, you did a great job. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We're so excited to have you here. So, I'm really excited to call in. Oh, we're, again, just thrilled that you agreed to call us today. He is, I see right now, he is getting OT and he does have some sensory issues, but they don't feel that he's on the spectrum because he's social and he uh, relates to other people and includes other people pretty easily, right? Yes, and, you know, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts about, you know, you can be social and still be on the spectrum, and I've brought this issue up to several members of his team, including his developmental pediatrician, and still no one thinks he's on the spectrum. Um, Okay, Not to say that that it might not happen. Right. But yeah, that's yeah, because, I mean, yeah. Right, right. I, and I'm going to continue to ask as, you know, he gets older because I know these diagnoses sometimes come later with kids that are on the border yeah. borderline. Yeah, they um, certainly do. And we've talked about that a lot on the show. So I am so proud of you for feeling that way and for feeling like, gosh, you know, even though it's, They've said no now. That's not something that I'm going to completely close the door on and just forget about. And a lot of moms get locked into that position, and then they don't ever want to hear anything else anybody else has to say. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want him to be on the spectrum. But um, I, I just feel, I do feel that he is social. I mean, he he doesn't have the greatest eye contact, but Mm-hmm. I I do remember um, in, in other podcasts that all the podcasts I've listened to kind of mesh together because I've listened to so many um, in a, a short amount of time. Yeah, but she listened all, all to all of them in a number of weeks or months yeah, and a half or yeah. something, right? right. Woo, that's right. scary. And not in order, so it's kind of all mixed up in my head. But I remember um, you saying that kids with language delays can also not have the greatest eye contact. Sometimes they don't. And really a lot of kids with sensory issues don't have great eye contact because they're so busy. And their attention is diverted here and diverted there. And they're they're doing this and they're running here and they're doing that. And then 
you know, sometimes it's like people get lost in all of that. And so, uh, but I love that you're being careful about it and that you're not dismissing it because I have met parents in the past who have been told by maybe one person out of the ten people that they've seen, your child is not on the spectrum, and nine other people have said, oh, my goodness, I have some concerns about that, and they really hung on to that one person when all of these other people were saying, oh, that's what I'm really concerned about. So, again, I want to applaud your effort on that. And we'll move on from that now. But but that I, I think that's really important, and I love that you are digging deep here and really um, looking at possibilities for him, even though it's a hard, hard, hard um, diagnosis. And I think any time a child has a delay, that's so hard for parents. And so, again, I'm, I'm so glad you're willing to talk about it and think about it and pursue additional right. options. Right. right. All right. Okay. So, this so yeah, my, stuff, my, that, my major concern, well, you know, I have a lot of concerns, but one of the concerns that I have, as I mentioned, is his lack of um, play skills. He, as I mentioned, he does a lot of sensory play. When left to just play on his own, it's going to be rolling a ball back and forth or rolling his cards back and forth. And if there was something to spin, he would find it and spin it. But we've taken everything right. that's spinnable. <laughs> away right. from him. Um, but, right. you know, he's just not moving beyond that. And right. we try and model everything as far as pretend play goes and feeding and diapering and bathing a doll. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the door mm-hmm. playground. We have all sorts of things that we know that he he likes. Um, right. But... And he'll watch us do it. And if I say, can you put Dora, you know, climb, have her step up the slide and slide down the slide, and he'll take Dora and do that. But then, you know, he's kind of bored with it, and then he'll move on to try and spin Dora or do something else with Dora or go find his ball. And so I don't know how to get him to be able to do these things on his own. Right. What are his... OT and speech language pathologist saying about his play. Are they doing that that kind of play stuff in therapy too? Yes, they are. Um, and you know their their advice is just to keep modeling it as well. Um, but I, I just don't feel like it's getting us anywhere. He still right. reverts back to his sensory play. So, okay, let me ask you some questions. There are two parts to this. One, he obviously likes the visual stuff, right? I mean, that's yes. why he's yeah. spinning, or that's part of it anyway. So he likes the visual stuff. And then two, how do – so that's his strength. So we're going to look at that. Okay, that's what he likes. That's what we're going to go with. And then two, his motor skills. When he's not spinning or kind of pushing something, um, what kinds of other Skill-based things. Uh, does his OT have him do in therapy? Like, is he? Well, okay. So that that is that's a good point. Okay. Um, they his motor skills are are not that great. Um, he he has major motor planning issues. He's had go. them. He's had them with you know just you know crawling and, and things like that. And so, you know, even if there's some something like an obstacle or if there's 
one of his toys is behind another toy, like he can't figure out that he needs to move the toy in front of the other toy, you know, to get the other toy. Um, right. It's it's just a big process for him. And so they do think right. that that could be contributing to his lack yeah. of um, play beyond right. the, the stuff that he's really good at, which is the spinning right. and, you know, rolling things back right. and forth. You know, and those kinds of things, When you, if we were, if we had an OT on, rather than Kate and me, they would say he's doing the spinning and he's doing the rolling because those are easier things to do. Right. You know, which when kids have had any kind of weakness, like we typically see with um, cerebral palsy or, mm-hmm. you know, hypotonia, whatever you want to call it, when they've had that kind of weakness, they do tend to divert to what's easier. And in a lot of ways, all of us as humans do that. You know, something that we're good at, something that comes more naturally to us, we want to do that. And so that he probably does this stuff because, one, it's easier motorically, and, two, he really likes the visual stuff, so he thinks, hey, this is a win-win. I don't have to work very hard, and it's cool. I can see right, it right. around here, and, you know. So that would be why he's doing it. So what I think we should focus on then is taking something that's just a little bit beyond um, difficulty-wise what he can do with motor stuff and give it a pretty big make sure there's enough visual feedback or a pretty big visual payoff because then he's going to want to do it more because mm-hmm. he's going to be a little bit more motivated to do that sort of stuff. And so with kids like this, it is really hard to tease out what's because of motor, what's because of cognition. You know, is it that he really with that, what you were talking about when there's, say, a toy behind another obstacle. Is it the motor planning piece, which which means the physical piece, you know, getting the message from his brain to his hands, how do I move this? Or is it more a cognitive issue with, um, you know, just that problem solving? And Mm -hmm. usually with a lot of kids, it's kind of both. And it's so hard. I mean, Kate, we could spend hours trying to tease out for one particular kid which is it? And haven't we had lots of discussions, even with kids that we've shared, where Kate will say, I think it's cognitively based. And I'm going, no, I think it's motor planning. And then she'll say, well, it can't be motor planning because it's this. And I'll say, no, but it can't be cognitive because it's this. And then we'll go, we end up with, oh, yeah, you're right, it's a little bit of both. And so we can't get so hung up on teasing it all out that we miss the bottom line, which is still he's not doing it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we have to figure out what we could put in place to make it easier for him to do. So what I would say is if he's not doing lots of the pretend stuff yet, you're still going to keep doing that because he needs those skills, but you may have to pull a lot of this play back to more of the how does he do with cause and effect toys and with shape orders and with just simple kind of toys that would require him to just open and close a door or you know, push some buttons or put a toy into a chute and let it slide down rather than there being a big pretend component with that. 
How does he do with those simpler toys? He's fine with those, but I feel like he needs to move beyond that, like those baby toys. Okay. So, like a like, do you you said you were so cute? You said in the uh, your email, I bought every toy that you mentioned. Yeah. So, (laughs) in effort to get him to do all of this, so how does he do with like a ball and hammer toy? Is he he hitting the the ball with the hammer? Yeah. He, you know, again because of his motor skills, not the best. Um, He, when you have to hold the hammer, it's harder for him. He he wants to just hit the ball with his hand because it's easier sure. for him. And when he gets yeah. the hammer, it's a little bit harder, and he has he doesn't have the strength. Um, right. And that is something they have. You know, we have to break the ice, and the OT works on that to try and get him to, you know, really hit the ice hard to get it through. Right. Um, so, so I, you know, see, I it, think I would keep doing a lot of these things, even if you think they're they're a little bit babyish. I would still mm-hmm. mix it in with your other stuff because he's got to get the skill base first before he's going okay. to want to continue to do the pretend play. And I know that you, that you know the other argument of this would be, well, if it's cognitively more challenging, he'll want to do it and he'll be a little bit more motivated. But it sounds like you've already tried that and he doesn't really do much with it. Right, right. Yeah. So that's my thinking would be pull it back and practice and do more stuff with the ball and hammer toys and with the anything that that your motor skill component is going to be there, but then it's going to be up to you to make that fun enough for him to want to do it enough to get enough practice so that he built some skills there. Kate, are you on? Are you thinking the same thing I am? And you just feel free to, if you're not thinking it, and you have some other ideas, you just jump in here at any time. Uh, I am pretty much thinking the same thing, Laura. I certainly have kids that, um, you know, sound a lot like he sounds, really. Um, and it can be a big, big step up. And it's, you know, do we really know why? Well, no. Like Laura said, probably motor planning, probably a cognitive piece, um, but I guess um, I think you're absolutely right that as his motor planning improves, you will see him naturally go to those, um, you know, more elevated play, more advanced play. But at this point, I'm not so sure that his ability allows him to do that much with that sort of play. Maybe a little, but, you know, it doesn't See, sound like language-wise. There's, I, I don't know how much we know about where he is language-wise. I find a lot of times kids, not always, but sometimes more language certainly facilitates that more advanced play. Um, they yeah, really kind the of sometimes therapist did mention that, too, that, you know, usually with language comes, the, the language like, piece has to be there before the advanced, Well, and sometimes if he did not have the motor delight and the motor difficulties, that may not be true. But particularly for a kid who's still struggling with it Mm motor-wise, it's like it's not the, the motor foundation is not there to support that advance yet. 
And so other than the visual stuff, there's no payoff for him in play. Do you see what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And so I, I think yeah. that you, yeah. And is that what you were thinking, too, about the visual stuff, Kate? Yes. I also wonder how um, how does he do with verbal routines, social routines? Do you do much of that? Have you done much of that where you're establishing these? back and forth, very social. Um, Surely you heard of one of her two podcasts about that. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, like when he is wanting to play with his cars and his balls, I always get involved, and he wants me to get involved. Like he'll have his cars, and instead of just rolling them back and forth himself, he'll come and bring me a car, and he'll want me to roll it with him, and then we'll take turns. And same with the ball, um, you know, he he likes to throw them at the same time I throw them. So he'll go ready, set, go, and we both have to throw them. And then where I throw it first and then he throws it. So he likes that back and forth play. Um, so okay. when he is doing that, those sort of things, I always try to get involved so he's just not sitting there by himself doing it. Um, right. So what about but, little games like ring around the rosies or ride a little horsey? Have you done much of that with them? No, I haven't. Well, that could be one thing we're going to add. So if you're taking if you're taking notes, write that down as number one. <laughs> I am. If you want to get a lot of those little social games going, because really him doing his part, in, and that's a great idea, Kate, him doing his part, motor piece of those little games, will certainly help with this motor planning piece. And then because you're taking um, object manipulation out of the equation, you may get some more advanced um, motor imitation just in the context of those little games. Like with Ring Around the Roses, you know, you're holding hands and then you're walking in a circle and then you're falling down and then you're standing back up and holding hands again. So that requires some really early kinds of sequencing, remembering that game, pulling it together motor-wise to be able to do that stuff together, and you've got that really nice social interaction already built in and you've got those automatic words already built in. And with he already likes Ready, Set, Goes. You could do Ready, Set, go at the beginning of that little routine. And then, you know, you're doing the ashes, ashes, off, fall, down. And he's pretty imitative right now, right? Yes. And he, I, I, he has played Ring Around the Rosie before, and he does like it. We haven't, I haven't done it in a long time, but that's a good idea. Yeah, and so when and so you're the reason you're doing this now though he are you're building on something that he is good at or that's a relative strength for him which would be his social skills. You're making that motor piece already kind of built in. Now, granted, it's a big, it's more like a gross motor activity than fine motor, but for him, you would be working on sequencing so that and. Mm-hmm. Do these things in a row, stick with you, and do some other things. How does he do with little finger plays and things like that? Like by do the motions to Itsy Bitsy Spider, or if you're happy he, and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah, do that yeah. Kind of he, he does that. I mean, his spider is, you know, not that great of a spider. But, yeah, he does do, he can do um, the wheels on the bus motions. 
Um, okay. Wheels don't really look like the wheels that we would do with our arms kind of right. <laughs> overlapping. Um, his are kind of just like a choo-choo train. Um, sure. Um, but but I yeah, he loves to do all that stuff. But that's your point, right, Kate? Yeah, I well, I was just, I find that a lot of times and kids have a very nice, strong foundation there that, you know, there has to be a very social, um, sometimes in order to sell that, that more advanced play, and by that I mean to convince him that this is fun and it is worth your time and you do want to engage in this play, if you don't have that, if he's not uh, an active participant in those early social routines, probably not going to get him on the more advanced play. You know, that has to be, that's a foundational piece. And I was really just kind of saying, trying to determine, well, how strong is he on those kinds of things? Because I wouldn't necessarily waste, not waste, but devote too much time to play if you just if he'll just do it and then you kind of lose him, you know. I mean, like, if you force me to make them slide, I will, but really not interested or sit or whatever the thing might be. And, and so it does sound like to go back and cover your bases, to go back right. and kind of. Right, and I will, lose him, I will lose him on advanced play like that, mm-hmm. um, but I won't lose him on something, I think, like, you know, taking him back to these. Um, He'll be he's over around the rosies too. and things that that are easier for him to do. I think, you know, he knows what he can and can't do, and he knows right. that taking Dora that's little and putting her up and down the slide is a little bit difficult for him. And right. um, and I think that's maybe part of the reason why he's not that interested in it. Um, yeah, because I don't know. I think that's it. Yeah. I, he can't even take all of the stuff. Like he wouldn't even be able to take take that. So it's you know we don't have it set up the entire time we put it away in a box, and he wouldn't even be able to you know take it out of the box and put some of the pieces together. Like his motor skills and planning is just poor in that sense. So see, I would back it up, and I think what you're probably trying to do is just work at a level that's just too complex right now from a Mm -hmm. lot of different angles, from a language perspective, from the motor perspective. And and looking at motor, you know, motor really has two parts. It has a strength piece and the motor planning coordination piece. And it sounds like both of those are things that he's struggling with. So I think Kate's idea is good. And what I was talking about with the cause and effect toys and things that are a little simpler you're going to help him really build a stronger foundation so that when he gets better at all this stuff, he'll naturally bump up and it won't be so forced on your part. And like mm-hmm. you're really having to kind of pull him along, he'll be more eager to participate and it won't be as hard for him. And he won't shut down like, Mom, you know, I'll do it if you make me, but otherwise forget it. You know, he's kind of telling you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, he'll sit there for 20 minutes while we're feeding the doll and diapering the doll and he'll try and help me as much as he can. But you could tell it's just, you know, as soon as I'm, like, putting putting the doll away, he'll go find his doll in his car and he'll just go right back to that. Yeah. So what other kinds of toys do you think you have that visually might be more enticing for him? Do you have any of those toys that, 
spinning is kind of part of the game where he's not necessarily doing it, but he's still getting a visual bump. Like Kate and I both have that fish and go round game. And again, I'm not saying go out and get spend any more money on on any more toys. <laughs> I'm just asking what you already have, like that a little pretend microwave. Will, we do. We have the pretend microwave. Um, and does he, he like he, that? He does like that because you know he likes to watch the thing go around. Um, Right, but will he open the door and put a plastic piece of food in there and then shut the door and then push the button to watch it go? Will he do all of that lead up to that? Yeah, I had to help him because he has a hard time using two two hands um, at once to do two different things. So, right. you know, one hand has to sit on top of the microwave while the other hand opens the door. He has a problem sure. motor planning that. So I sure. helped him with that, and I think now he's gotten that. And he can put, you know, whatever a food in the microwave and push the button to start it. So this is what I would do. If he really likes that toy and likes that piece, I would play with this on the side. And then you're going to have your baby there or your Elmo or whatever toy and have, you know, just a little bitty, you know, five seconds of that play routine is going to be you taking the the food out of the microwave and then holding it to the toy's mouth to eat it, and then you're right back to, let's cut something else. And your language piece of that is you're saying, oh, let's cook, you know, an apple or pizza or, you know, whatever your plastic food is, and then have him do that whole part again where he's, finding the right thing to cook, putting it in the microwave, you know, opening the door, putting it in the microwave, closing the door, pushing the button, because he really sounds like, to me, he needs the motor practice of that as much as he needs anything else. Mm-hmm. And so you you need to look through your toys and figure out, okay, what has a visual component and how can I work a little bit of pretend play in here when he'll want and what, how can I work this motor piece in that it sounds like to me is probably his biggest hurdle right now? How can I work this in so that we're targeting all of this and it's still fun enough for him to stick with it and then begin to kind of try on his own? So a toy like that, that it has a visual piece, that's what I would really look for. Um, so anything that you push the button and it's going to do okay. something, but you know you can't let him do it. Like you're not going to let him sit for 30 minutes and just push the button and watch that darn thing spin. You know, for 30 minutes of rest. No. You've got to do all the motor piece. You've right. got to do all of the stuff, and then the 30 seconds that he watches it, or 15 seconds, or 10 seconds. That's his payoff, and that's mm-hmm. what'll keep him coming back. And it's still pretty higher level play stuff because you're using the food and then you're going to pretend again for two seconds, five seconds, whatever, to give it to the doll. Or, but then you're right back working on that motor stuff and working on it so that he gets to the visual payoff piece. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So that's kind of where I would go with that. Kate, do you have a different opinion about that? No, that is, I mean, I, again, this this um, tendency or this, where he is isn't um, that uncommon with a lot of the kids that we see. And 
that is what I try and do. What can I do that's just a little bit more advanced play-wise, but still has his enough of what seems to keep him interested and keep him, you know, in, engaged in sustained activity or play with it. And something like the microwave is always one of my early go-to things. Um, the washing machine, Laura, is another that you <laughs> gave me. Um, same sort of thing. You know, it has that visual component, but yet you can do some early pretend play kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. yes, it is kind of a back and forth where you're giving, you know, giving them the payoff and. I never know exactly how to put it, but if we want to use that terminology, what is he going to like about that? He's going to like the washing machine going around. He's going to watch, want the food to go round and round, and you kind of um, spoon-feed the rest of it and encourage him to engage in that. But um, it does sound like because those things are still pretty difficult for him, motor-wise, motor planning-wise, whatever the foundational thing is it doesn't matter what what does matter probably is that it's still difficult for him and unless those things get easier for him or until those things get easier for him you know um i wouldn't he's not going to want to do it he's not really going to want to engage in it certainly not because it's just there and he can do it only if you're there making it and and for a while it's probably going to take that he really has to improve um, and I don't know how limited is he, like, does he use one side better than the other side, or? Yeah, he, I mean, both sides are affected with the CP, but his left is more affected than his right, but he uses both. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So his left is a bit weaker than his right. Um, uh-huh. So well, you're going to have like... to really work with his OT to... Mm-hmm come up with ideas that are going to give him enough practice to make that easier for him and still make it fun enough for him to want to do it. Kate, were you going to say something differently? No. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I... Go ahead. Oh, I was wondering, is there a favorite... Uh, show that he likes, character that he, you know, who's what's his go-to cool thing? He likes, he likes, we don't really allow him to watch much TV, but um, every now and then he likes to watch Mickey Mouse. Okay. Um, and so that's one thing. He he does like Thomas the Train, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the uh, things that I would use for all of that kind of pretend play now instead of a baby doll or something that he's not really that into. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about before that you can feed Mickey or you can feed Thomas or anything like that. You know, you're going to want to use what he naturally likes as maybe opposed to something newer or something that he could take it or leave it, you know, because that's going to make it a little more motivating um right right. were you going to is that what you were going to talk about kate yeah i was just wondering i mean i don't know it's you know we're just taking shots in the dark here not knowing what really all you've tried but certainly um that can be sometimes for some kids when they have those certain things that they just really love it's amazing how much more interest and effort and um 
participation you can get just by switching up something as simple as that, you know. And I wonder, have you tried, you and your therapist tried using the little Mickey characters or doing stuff with Thomas as opposed to baby play or... Yeah, no, we haven't. And I re- I just remember listening to another one of your podcasts where you had recommended that to a mom. And um, yeah. I think it was using so that's Thomas and everything. So, yeah, yeah that's so a good idea. Back. <laughs> and, and even, you know, and I kind of said earlier on about the social routines and uh, um, early on, remember always to try and use as much movement with those kinds of play as you can. Like you might want to do Ring Around the Rosie with the Mickey characters or the Thomas mm-hmm. characters. And so you're, you know, you've you've done the verbal routines with him. It's a very social thing. You get out those objects. You model for him these fun things that he, you know, he knows the verbal routines for. Um, and again, you know, they, or if you're doing Ring Around the Rosie with the characters, it kind of has that visual component where they're still going around. You kind of have to just. But um, I would definitely, you know, like Laura said, some kids just aren't into baby dolls. You know, it's like whatever. I just, <laughs> you I don't can model really that stuff. They don't really care. But you know, and okay, that's fine. But if Sometimes it's amazing how just using their thing that they happen to think is really cool, and Thomas mm-hmm. is probably number one. Um, I have had quite a few Mickey kids. Um, it can be any number of things, but those are among them. And absolutely you want to use those things because those will audit. And do you have, like, little Mickey characters? No, but I'm going to go find some. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what I would do. And I would start out just really easy stuff with those, like just making Mickey climb up on the couch and just say up, 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 and then have Mickey jump on the top of the couch, you know, one, two, three, jump down, and just some little easy verbal routines that has, you're going to have a little easy motor sequencing thing to follow with that with making Mickey walk up the side of the couch and then jump on the top of the couch and then jump down to the carpet and then walk back up the couch. You're just doing that over and over and over. And you've blended the motor practice that he needs, the sequencing practice that he needs, plus his language stuff. And that's the beginning of really that kind of earliest pretend play is you're going to make a character do something you know, over and over and over again. And so I would do that. I would even do things like peekaboo with the Mickey character and with the Thomas character. You know, you don't have to always go straight to those feeding and the sleeping and all of that. The sleeping game, though, can be fun. If you're pretending Thomas is sleeping or Mickey is sleeping, you can do that little night-night game. And I'm going to send you the new verbal routine therapy guide. That's what I'm, I know that you've bought a lot of TeachMeToTalk.com products already, <laughs> but you haven't bought that Laura's yet. going to have to keep producing them so that she has things you haven't already purchased. <laughs> no, I haven't, bought, I haven't bought everything. I just kind of, I, you know, I've bought a few things that I feel yeah. might be helpful well, and they have been they've been so great and wonderful oh well i'm so glad but i'm going to send you the verbal the new thing that's out today and i'm going to send that to you because he's already social and mm-hmm. he's that's the starting point and you are going to see some great little games in there 
for lots of different kids with how you could use that. And then there are games, you know, taking those little verbal routines and mixing toys in. There's some kids that are doing, there's one little guy that that has a lot of motor issues that I'm playing with there that he did the little night-night game with his Thomas trains because that's all he really liked. <laughs> and so we mm-hmm. did all of that early pretend stuff with Thomas. And you're not going to see all that on there. You're just going to see the little night-night game. But looking at all of the earlier with how to how to take those verbal routines and mix that in with early play with toys, there are lots of good ideas in that video guide. So I'm going to send that to you today so you can oh, take a look so at that. You're welcome. But you can see the little games and little songs. And, again, if he likes that, if he's lighting up when you're doing those, that's exactly who we're going to start. Even with that motor piece like we talked about. And that's great motor planning for him to have to, you know, remember the sequence of those little games and do them again and again and again with you. And if it's a toy piece that's been too hard, He'll naturally get better. You'll see improvement with the toys, but down the road because you've given him a better foundation with using his little body better in different ways. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So how much of, of the lack of play skills do is, um, I, I guess I don't know, you can't really say in my case, but would be contributed to language um, or cause, you know, because he, his expressive language is is not that great, um, right. but he his receptive language he actually you know is aging out of EI and just had an evaluation for the CPSE, and she told me that his receptive language is age appropriate. So, so he is following lots of directions. Yeah, he follows lots of directions. Um, and we've always felt that, and that's why when he wasn't speaking, mm-hmm. that's why the diagnosis of apraxia came up, because he understood just about everything but just wasn't saying anything. So um, that was sort of, a, you know, a, a clue as to why that was happening. But, you know, is you know he has this receptive, he has good receptive, I don't know if it's great, but it's good receptive language. And so he understands right. things. Um, is the fact that he's not the expressive language piece not there? Like, you know, even for a car, he can't even make the, the sound that a car makes. I'll say, oh, vroom, vroom. But those sounds he doesn't really have. So is, so is what that is part he of doing it? Verbally? Yeah, it's all, it's all part of it. Okay. I mean, what what is he doing expressively? He is imitating he imitates, yeah, he imitates phrases, he imitates words. Um, he, um, like I said, he, I think I mentioned in email, he doesn't come up with a lot of his own thoughts and or uh-huh. own um, ex- expressions. A lot of his expressions are based off of what we've said, um, right. like, oh, I'm changing your diaper, you know, or I'm taking your dirty diaper off, and he'll say, dirty diaper off and putting your uh-huh. clean diaper on. And so he'll say that when I'm doing it, when I'm not saying it, he'll say it. Right. He properly narrates things. If I go to the bathroom to go wash my hands, he says, mama, wash hands, mama, dry hands. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He says things like that. Um, 
So how but, is he doing that with receptive language? Let me ask you this. So he's following two-step commands. You could say to him, yes. hey, go to your room and get your book and bring it back so we can read it. He would do that. Yes. Okay. Now, getting the so book we, is hard for him because if it's on the bookshelf and he can't pull it out properly, sometimes he comes back without the book and then we'll grab my hand to go help him get the book. Okay. So, and you know, that's the motor piece. But he understands it. Okay. When they tested his receptive language, what did they, what kinds of things did he do for them that, I mean, how did they tease out the motor piece versus the receptive language stuff? They they didn't. The evaluation that we actually we had an evaluation today. It was just um, it was just the language piece. So it wasn't the motor piece. Um, So they had I guess those books. No, no. She just said you know which which of these things do you put on your head, or if you're thirsty, what would you use, or what would you you know, what would you have? And it would be like a cup of water, and he would point to the cup of water. So it was these okay. picture. It was like a bunch of pictures. And I think you've mentioned them on your podcast. It's like these language tests. Yeah. That's what they did. So there okay. wasn't any motor so, piece. Right. Okay, good. So this really is when you put a motor action with it, that's when he falls apart. Yes. Okay. I think so. I think so. Now, it's confirmed to me after especially today's evaluation because I always felt that his receptive language was good, but I didn't know for sure. And she did the evaluation, and she said his receptive language, is, is she thought, was age-appropriate to a three-year-old almost. Okay. And okay. so I, I'm now, you know, now I feel like a lot of it is the motor piece. Right. And you certainly have a diagnosis to support that because they yes. said cerebral palsy, and yes. they said sensory yeah. stuff. So then, what I would do is, you're going to still work on his language. You're still working on his expressive language, but you've always got to put that motor piece in there because until you get that better. It seems to me that that would be the piece that's holding this pretend playback and these other more functional games is that motor piece. If his receptive language is where it should be, then there really is no other explanation. You know, if that's true, there's no other explanation other than this motor piece. Is that what you're thinking, Kate? Yeah, that, you know, again, assuming that, and they just did it, so probably that's accurate. Initially, I think I didn't necessarily appreciate that his receptive skills were as good as what it sounds like they are. Um, that that being said, that's great. That's certainly another strength. But obviously there's a pretty big motor piece, um, or he would be engaging in it, you know, more readily and with... Um, more independence, you know, it's it's basically like you're having to force him to do it, and then as soon as he can, he quits because it's not, it's too hard. 
then you mentioned the, co- the, co- the cognitive piece. Is that different than the receptive language? He probably, well, receptive language and cognition go together, and they're really difficult to tease out until the kid is over three. But if he understands things routinely, like which one do you wear on your head? What do you need if you're thirsty? I mean, that's pretty advanced receptive language stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if he's understanding that kind of stuff, his cognitive skills are going to be fine too. I mean, usually those go okay. hand in hand. You don't he didn't, really he didn't get the he didn't get the inferences. They, I think they had one where it was wet outside or something. Yeah, he didn't get that one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's older. You know, oh, but okay. if he'll follow, it's so interesting to me though that he'll follow a two-step direction as long as it doesn't have a big motor component. I mean, he's really interesting. Boy, do I wish I could see him. He sounds <laughs> really interesting to kind of tease out. And so, um, I mean, That's I just think... a challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think this... And when Kate was saying before, when Kate said this is a pretty common issue to have, it's not so common to have receptive language that's at or near an age-appropriate level and still have the kinds of difficulties that he's having with play with, mm-hmm. you know, really close to age-appropriate receptive language. That, that's not a pattern that's terribly common in early intervention. I mean, you agree with that, don't you, Kate? Absolutely, yes. I assumed that his receptive skills were delayed. Just no, and that's why you know, I've put those baby toys away because I feel like he's, I guess, cognitively, receptively beyond, beyond mm-hmm. those things. But, and I want him to play with something more advanced, but he's just not ready to do it. Motor-wise, he's just not ready. So, see, mm-hmm. this is even a more interesting profile. Because you would think, I mean, with a kid like this, I really would say we're going to let cognition drive the bus here, meaning that we're going to make it harder so that he's going to be a little bit more motivated to do it because it's more mature play and he's going to be um, more easily captivated with that because it's new and it's interesting, but he sounds like he recognizes his motor limitations and that doesn't make him try harder, it just makes him kind of either go along with it or avoid Or give up and, yeah, avoid it and do something else that he's easy and he's good at. Yeah, so your job really is going to be how to balance that need for motor repetition and motor practice that he's got to get before he's going to be able to really independently manipulate these toys so that he can engage in that higher level play. And mm-hmm. so you, I would say you're going to have to bring those baby toys back out and just, you are going to have to be so darn fun and so on and so in his face, over the top, excited. Now, not if that makes him mad, but if it motivates him enough to want to keep doing it with you, you know, I would think that that's going to be where most of your time should be spent right now um, and just back it up and make it easier and simpler so that he starts to do more of it on his own. 
And so, like we were talking about with the microwave, or if you have any little game that is going to be like uh, that little fishing around game where I would have him really putting the fish in the water by himself and then pushing the button and then having the fish go down the slide. You know, that, that sort of thing where the motor parts are really easy, but he's still sequencing three or four little things in a row. Okay. okay. Does that make what sense? What sorts of things does the OT have him working on? Um, see, she has him working on um, fine motor skills like stringing things, um, uh, ha- like holding a crayon properly, um, I'm trying to think of other things, like pulling stickers off. A traditional off. fine motor thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to ask her, how can I have him do these kinds of things in play. What okay. kinds of things, how can we transition these skills that he so desperately needs to work on, how can we make that a little more play-based and get her, I mean, I'm sure you've asked her that, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but talk about it again mm-hmm. and say, you know, hey, he, you know, these are the things that we know about him now. His receptive language is really good. That's a strength for him, but he's still not moving along with pretend play. So all we can really think is holding that back is this motor piece. You've got to help me here. What kinds of, how can I get that going a little bit better? Mm-hmm. You know, and really let her help you come up with things to do that are a little bit more play-based. So even if they're all really simple ideas, he has more to fall back on than rolling or throwing. So that's probably what right. I would do. Is that what you would do, Kate? Yep. I would also, like you know, I said, with the, using characters that you know he, if they exist, sounds like Thomas and Mickey would be your go-to things. Um, a lot of times I'll have kids, for whatever reason, not show a ton of interest in baby play, but if you use those characters, work in the same sorts of concepts. I like Laura's right. suggestion of keeping it um, simple initially, and then she kind of had a visual payoff with the up, 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 down kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. See if you can't get them more interested using those smaller, and there's tons of motor planning that goes involved with those sorts of things. You know, if you had little props, of course, we're a little obsessive about our props, but a chair or a bed or, you know, a potty or a whatever, a car that, you know, will he do that kind of play? Will he take characters, objects, put it inside, make them sit, make them, you know, anything? No. I've tried that. We have the little people bus and the airplane, and I I tell He'll just do the basic, you know, rolling the bus and the airplane back and forth. But as soon as I try and, you know, he'll let me put the people in if I tell him to try and put the people in. But you could tell it's a struggle for him to, I think, because it's a little bit harder. It's not that right. hard to put people in for him, but it is a little bit harder than just rolling it back and forth. He just does And will he let do you do it. hand over hand? Will he let you do hand over hand? Yeah. Will you take your hand and put it on top of his? Yeah, I would just keep doing that. And, you know, you're going to have to, and like if you get new little Mickey characters or something he likes, or even Thomas, I would put Thomas in the darn bus 
mm-hmm. and drop Thomas across the room and then maybe have Thomas, you know, get out and do something, you know, pretend to drink from a bowl of water or jump in the water like it's a swimming pool or take a bath in a bowl of water, you know, anything. And, again, you may have to be a little more creative other than, you know, I'm going to feed him, I'm going to, you know, you may have to do something that's sillier and that's more over the top before he's going to want to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Yeah. Are we sort of on the right track here? Are we giving you things you haven't thought of before? Yes. Because yes, I'm going to feel really badly if we didn't. <laughs> no, no. But you can tell um, me if we didn't. No, no. I guess I just had a question. Um, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot, but besides, you know, the washing machine and the microwave and things, are there other toys that you would recommend us getting if we don't already have that will help with this? Um I would just really, you know what I would do is really look for what you already have and think, how can I use this a little differently than we've done it before? Like putting Thomas in the bus and driving him across. Or if you can find a little, I I would think the new new thing I would buy would be the Mickey characters, the things that you know that he's going to like. And don't buy 50, buy two or three and make sure you (laughs) like them. And, and work those kinds of things in. And I think the easier little routines like we were talking about, jumping on the couch or lining them up on, you know, on the side of the bathtub when you're playing and have, you know, make them swim, make them jump in the boat, make them climb up the side of the wall in the tub, you know, put them in a cup. Anything that the motor, you know, just have them doing over and over and over again because that's what you're going to build a skill with. And talk to your OT about this. Yeah, yeah. modeling it using lots of repetition, using those verbal routines so that he he internalizes the verbal script just like he has the verbal script for change my diaper or whatever. You know, you want him to have verbal scripts that go with those simple play mm-hmm. routines. Um, and as those become more automatic for him, he's gonna it'll be. Um, more reinforcing for him to engage in those things. So you kind of really have to build that whole piece into it. Sounds like he very much needs the verbal script, not only to be right. verbal, but to make it um, yeah, predictable and reinforcing. To, yeah, it's hard for him to come up with the spontaneous language. Right. And that's okay. And that the verbal routine therapy guide that I'm going to send you as soon as we're off here, watch that today because you are going okay. to get a ton of new ideas and not just I mean I think you'll be able to watch it and say oh I could try this and I could try this and I could try this you know whereas you're modifying some of those things a little bit and Kate's point about him already naturally gravitating to needing that little script I mean this is really going to play to his strength too Mm -hmm. so let me tell you this is the perfect day for us to have you on (laughs) It did kind of work out because those things will really help entice him into that sort of play by by establishing those verbal routines because you know he responds to that. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to get him to that point motor-wise, too, where he can follow through with that and want to do it and feel successful and, like, this is not too hard. I can do this. So that he becomes a little more... 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And more self-directed with that too. And I would use a ton of praise. I mean, does he respond to praise? I mean, does yeah, praise? yeah, he does. He thinks I would use a ton thing. of praise for his motor stuff too. For anything okay. that he's doing that's new motor, because if his receptive skills are where, you know, they should be, it's really the motor stuff that, you know, and again, Kate and I are just going, you know, we haven't seen him. We don't really know. We might have a totally different opinion after we saw him in person. But to me, that sounds like that's your most obvious go-to right now. Um, and expressive language, I mean, you're going to keep working on that. I'm not saying, oh, don't worry about his speech language skills at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to bump this play up a little bit and so that you can kick that language in a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You've got to get a handle on this motor stuff. Okay. All right. That, that's my best advice without seeing him. Okay. Thank you, you both so much. That's what we spend so our hour doing is <laughs> establishing those verbal routines with simple, pretty, still pretty visual early pretend play. If it's repetitive and red, repetitive, repetitive, who cares if he's liking it? It's a win. Yeah, exactly. you got to figure exactly. out what kind of trip is triggered so that he likes it enough to engage in it for longer periods. And you see more obvious enjoyment, not, okay, you're forcing me to do it, so I'll do it. As You know, you want to move towards, I kind of like this, this is pretty cool or fun or yeah. rewarding. And I'm good at this, so I'm going to want to do it over and over because this is, this is, this is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's where we would focus. But listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to watch the verbal routine stuff, and I want you to call us back in a few weeks, like a month from now, three or four weeks, and tell us how it's going, okay? Okay. And then we can help you troubleshoot some more. Great, thanks. Your your products have just been so great. I'm the kind of person that needs things sort of spelled out and seen, and everything has just been so wonderful and so helpful. And You're exactly the kind of mom that I do this stuff for, and we have just loved having you on today. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much. We want to hear back from you. You update. Keep in touch. We want to hear. I will. I will definitely. Okay. Okay. Care. Thank you. Bye. 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 What an interesting kid. He is interesting, isn't he? He turns out not really. I know. It wasn't exactly uh, what I imagined initially because I didn't expect his, his uh, receptive skills to be as good. So obviously there is a big motor piece for him. that, And I've had some of those kids, not nearly as many as the kids with the receptive right. issues. It's, so. Well, it's not a really common pattern. It's really no. not. And I've seen some kids like that who have had more significant CP. And so you think, okay, they're just locked in this little body. What am I going to help him do? But he's better than that. I mean, he's obviously moving and things. He just has Mm -hmm. enough motor stuff to really limit that next big leap, developmentally, which is that pretend play. But I think if he can get enough practice, and I do think your point about verbal routines is so dead on, with what might make that easier for him. And it is, I love how it worked out today, where she called on the day that that was released. I really had no recollection that this, or, you know, even an inkling that all of this would go together, but I love it when it works out like this. There you go. Don't we look smart? 
dumb but luck, but we'll take no it. Yeah. Dumb luck. There you go. There you go. And I have, right, I mean, you. I've had some kids that I thought kind of, you know, uh, it is Please sometimes establishing that verbal routine, and it does sound like bumping up the motor skills in general will mm-hmm. will help because it sounds like he and, he avoids a lot of things that are difficult for him rhetorically. Nope, too hard. I don't really want to do it. I mean, and, and that's you very common. Hear. That's what they do. That's what we all do. Exactly. And you don't always hear the speech therapist say, you better build the motor skills. Right. But it, it sounds right. like it for him, that's his biggest issue. The biggest that's what it sounded like to me. Issue. Yeah. 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 And it may be that, you know, a combination of all those things, but I would like to see her, and I know she'll have those Mickey characters soon, like to see if she can get them any more uh, interested. But using, like you suggested, some of the earlier things that, yes, he is developmentally beyond it as far as cognitive skills, as far as receptive skills, but motor-wise, he's not. No, and I'm thinking about... um, just like the ball and hammer toy. She said that was really, really hard for him. Well, what does he do? He throws down the hammer and does it with his hand because that's a little easier. But you know, Which is what you all really kids manip- do when it's hard for them. Right. 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 <laughs> but until you can really manipulate the hammer, until you can really manipulate the tools, you're not going to be very good at pretend play because there's a big motor component to you know toy manipulation for pretend play. Huge motor component. And it sounds like his OT is working on those foundational skills with what she's having him do, but I hope that mom can convince her that she needs to transition that and help her um, get some of that in play so that it's not mm-hmm. just a therapy activity then. It becomes something they can do all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm not really going to sit around that. lacing, you know, lacing beads all day long. You're going right. to need to do help with those little hands. <laughs> Yeah. She was great. She was great. Well, I'm so I know glad your, she called. Her latest, uh, video will help because it doesn't sound like she's done too much of that, you know, with the verbal routine and, be, and the early pretend yeah. play stuff. And that'll be something new for her to add, and hopefully it'll just kickstart this whole darn thing, and we'll hear from her in three or four weeks, and he'll have already made nice changes. That would be ideal scenario. I hope that's what happens. Yeah. Well, hopefully she'll call us back and let us know. I think so, too. All right, great show. Thanks so much, Kay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.